Happy Monday, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Bitch Beer Podcast early this week. Um, I have a very special episode today that actually could not wait a single minute longer. So I am interviewing Joseph Cortez. He is the executive director of the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. And he has a very, very important message this week about some bills that are up for vote and how you can get involved. Yes, you can get involved. The Georgia Craft Brewers Guild does a ton of amazing stuff to make sure that Georgia beer drinkers and beer lovers get to have more Georgia beer. Um, So I will just get right into it. Hope you enjoy. Cheers. Sure, Caroline. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So I'm Joseph Cortez, and I'm the executive director of the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild. Mm. It's very important. Very important business. And you're wearing a tweed jacket, and I'm wearing a hoodie. So I am very underdressed for this occasion. (laughs) Well, I came from the Capitol, so following Capitol protocol, but... I, I did I did shed the tie before going back into the brew world. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> sure thing. And of course, we've got like my beer stickers and we've got beer from Highland Brewing sent me some beer. So we've just, uh, yeah, we've just got that sitting uh, <laughs> just Good out stuff. in the open. <laughs> so I'm very excited to have you here and I really appreciate you taking the time. So this is an emergency meeting because we have a really, really, really big deal happening at the Capitol tomorrow. We have two different bills on the vote. So how about you, how about you walk us through this? So what exactly is it that you do with the Brewers Guild? And uh, how do you make it that uh, people in Georgia are able to make beer? (laughs) Sure. So I think that's a great place to start, you know, take a step back and kind of explain what the Craft Brewers Guild is. Um, The Georgia Craft Brewers Guild is technically speaking, the 501c6, which is a nonprofit trade association for the uh, craft beer industry in Georgia, which very simply means that we are the nonprofit that represents the interests of the craft beer industry um, legally, also regulatorily, so all of the laws and regulations that that our craft brewers have to follow. But very importantly, um, from a legislative standpoint, so most of what our craft uh, brewers deal with um, from a legal and uh, regulatory standpoint um, really is decided down at the state capitol with our state legislature, the Georgia General Assembly. So we play a really uh, big role in advocating for our brewers um, at at the capitol. And a couple other things we do, we also obviously try and um, promote community within the craft beer industry, education, and then also promote Georgia craft beer as a brand. But we're of course here today in this emergency session. Emergency! To talk about our efforts down at the Capitol. So, I I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot that you do. This is one of those moments when um, you get members that are like, what exactly does the Guild do? This is what you guys do. So this is the exciting time for y'all. So we have two different bills. So these are local state Senate bills. So we have House Bill uh, HB 278 and then Senate Bill SB 219. So what is um, HB 278? Correct. So uh, House Bill 278, also known as HB 278, um, is a bill that originated in the Georgia General Assembly in the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. so, which some would call the lower chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, don't say that to House members. But generally speaking, um, the lower chamber, which is where you have, you know, throughout your, the state, everybody has their own state uh, house uh, representative, local representative that comes up here to Atlanta and represent your local interests. So that's House Bill 278 
and originated in the house. And do you want me to tell you a little bit about yeah, what it would do? Yeah, please. Great. So it would do a few things. And I think it's really important to frame these issues in terms of what our brewers have struggled with over the past year, especially in light of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, the hit that they took almost universally. Yes. Um, we were, frankly, lucky in Georgia um, to, to not um, bear the, the worst of that, but we certainly have folks that really struggled, um, especially early on in the p- pandemic. So a few things that it would do. One, it would establish a small brewer definition in Georgia code, meaning Georgia law, specifically in the alcohol section. And this is important because um, all of those, first of all, it aligns with the Brewers Association definition of a craft brewer, which is under $6 million, which I know seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. $6 million? Six, I'm sorry, $6 million barrels of beer brewed annually. Awesome. Thank you. So most of our folks are way below that. Right. All of them are actually way below even the million mark. So what would be like, so just so people can kind of visualize it, what would be like a typical like 6 million, you said 6 million barrels of, of beer? 6 million and above is any of those that the average person might classify as big beer. Big beer. Quote, so big like, beer. so like more like, like a Budweiser Correct. or Anheuser-Busch, okay, cool. Miller. Gotcha. Um, those folks, right? Awesome. All right, so it establishes a small brewery definition. Um, it provides clarity of transfer of product. Mm-hmm. So this is important because brewers who want to um, open a, a, another location, a second location or more, which really is a lo- the way a lot of our small brewers are able to you know, thrive and expand um, economically, is to open a second location. Um, there, there's been a lack of clarity with what was under Senate Bill 85, which is the bill that we all enjoy because it, it enabled us to go and actually get a, t- a full pint, you know, at your local brewery for the first time. Right. And we were the last, by the way, in the That's country true. to do that. And that was only like two years ago. People forget like, like how yeah. like it was actually how 2017, lucky we are. But of course, 2020 doesn't oh my count. Gosh. I know. Yeah. 2020 was <laughs> a whole. So. <laughs> We'll forget 2020. It was four years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was passed in 2017. So. Um, oh wow! Oh, I'm oh time is flying. <laughs> yeah. So under that law, we know that um, you you can have a certain amount of retail. So for example, selling pints, mm-hmm. selling in your tap room direct to consumer, and also selling to go. So packaged product wow. to go. And there's limits on that, by the way, which we'll get to in a minute. You can also, there was a certain way you can transfer, but there's there's really some needed additional clarity mm-hmm. um, because right now the way it stands um, with that lack of clarity in, in the law and really the letter of the law, um, a lot of our folks who want to invest mm-hmm. or have invested already can't really effectively transfer their product, which we know is a huge barrier to success and growth and investment. And so when you say transfer your product, so is that like with like Wild Heaven having two different locations or Monday night having two different locations? What what does that transfer mean? Yeah, anyone that has two different locations, they'll want to transfer a certain amount of product mm-hmm. to be able to sell in their tap room, and, right. right? Under the current law and the current regulations as it stands. So there's limitations on that. So for example, we know that if you have a second location, that the letter of the law states currently that there has to be some sort of manufacturing at that second location, right? 
Oh, wow. What the gray area is, is the product that's transferred. Mm -hmm. What process does that have to go through in terms to to be deemed manufactured, right? Right. So is there an interpretation that it has to be manufactured 100% on site? That's not viable for any of our uh, small brewers business model. So I'll give you, I'll give you a brief example. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say that there's a core beer. So everybody, I think a lot of folks know Tropicalia, for example, Creature Comforts Tropicalia. It makes business sense for them to produce at one site, right? which is done in Athens. Right. Creature Comforts, as many people probably follow the news, wanted to open an Atlanta location based on the Beltline. Right. Because of the lack of clarity in this issue, Mm. in this section of law, they actually decided to move forward with an expansion to in Los Angeles, in California. Shit. And by, yeah, and bypass <laughs> that investment. Well, it's great for my California friends, but... Sure, ugh. sure. And they're just an example, right? Yeah. So we have many other breweries in the industry. That's just money being taken away from our own local Georgia economy, though. It's money that's not being invested in your local neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's tax revenue that's not going into local neighborhoods and our state California does not need more tax revenue (laughs) yeah and that's fine you know we wish them well obviously they're great members of of the Georgia industry and the guild and uh but we we wanted and we still want them to continue to invest in Georgia yeah likewise with a lot of our other folks that's why this transfer issue it seems complicated but it really is a no-brainer for us to fix because this is this is a matter of our, our small brewers across Georgia right. being able to thrive because they often want to invest in some sort of, you know, whatever limited capacity at another site. Yeah. And they still need to be able to get some product out of that site. So it doesn't make sense for them to have 100% production and manufacturing of a core product of a core brand in more than one location. Exactly. So they need to be able to move that a little bit. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point to bring up. And, you know, also, I mean, Creature Comforts, I can't blame them going out to California. I mean, you get in one Avengers movie and then, yeah, I'd go out to Hollywood <laughs> too. So. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, this is one of the top issues for us in the Guild, actually. Because wow. um, even those who don't have a second location, you know, mm-hmm. we use, again, I said I use them as an example. But we have folks that, that want to invest that are looking in, in neighboring towns or, mm-hmm. um, you know, s- sites across Georgia. And they know that this is uh, this is a barrier to that growth. Yeah. Um, so we really are stifling it with this issue. Um, so a couple of the other issues that we have included in here. And um, I would say this really goes also to the issue of restrictions that stifle growth. Um, we know that, you know, alcohol is a highly regulated industry. Yes. You know, that there's a lot of good reason for a lot of the regulations that uh, our our industry um, deals with. But there are things that, again, I mentioned, frankly, are just um, barriers to our, our small brewers, which are small businesses. Yes. Being able to not only survive, which we've dealt with over the past year during the pandemic, but thrive, which is what we want for all of our small brewers, small businesses. So what we have included and asked for in House Bill 278 are... Um, more flexibility and some of our caps that we deal with. So there are caps on, in production and caps in what they're able to sell um, in different in different circumstances. Wow. Yeah. So for example, one thing that we've asked for is increase, and it gets a little weedy here. So try and follow along. But I yeah yeah, I'm, it increases the annual what we'll call direct to consumer mm-hmm. production limit from three thousand barrels to ten thousand barrels. This includes, and this is important to note, on-premise and off-premise direct-to-consumer sales. So what does that really mean? 
anything that is sold by that brewery, by that brewer, directly to a consumer in their tap room in the form of pints, flights, whatever. Right. <clears throat> or to-go product. Right. Right? There's a cap on that. So there are breweries, for example, wow. that would like to plan mm -hmm. for, you know, increased sales directly to consumers under the system right. as it stands, right, in their tap rooms, but cannot plan for that because of this cap. Do we have a lot of breweries that are currently up against hitting the current cap? No, but frankly, with there it being be a, a cap. well, yeah, well, with it being a, a barrier to investment, folks aren't investing in bigger systems, for example. Wow. You know, without getting into the weeds, certainly not my wheelhouse, but you know, brewing systems take a great deal of planning and investment. And if you have a certain amount that you can only that you're only limited to produce. You're going to invest in a certain system, right? Right. But we know we do have a couple of folks who, especially um, in the Atlanta area, uh, who would probably push that cap and have to actually at some point um, talk about how do you turn consumers away and turn, again, that additional um, you know, revenue that also is going back into the community. So what is the reason that that cap exists? Is it is is there like a I can't think of any positive reasons for something like that. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic about it, but why would you why would they want to put a cap on um, on business that a that a brewery could take? You know, I'm no expert um, on the different you know multi-layered facets of the three-tiered system. I've certainly learned a lot in this role over the past year. Mm -hmm. um, you almost have to be a, a, a legal and um, a legal scholar to navigate some of this, <laughs> this which I certainly, you know, we've got, we've got folks that help us out and help me out all the time. But I think, um, you know, when you look at the three tier system and certain viewpoints of what a three tier system should entail really is these different layers of controls on each, um, tier, right? right. And we're one of the tiers. So you have without, you know, this isn't a podcast on the three tiered system. I'd want to poke my eyeballs out. So, but <laughs> Um, you know, just it's it's probably good to mention that in the three tiers, we have manufacturers, which is brewers. Right. You have your distributors, wholesalers, mm -hmm. right, who sell your product, uh, who you sell your product to wholesale and they turn around then. And the third tier would be retail. Right. I think there's a notion that these strict controls on each tier um, are in place to protect consumers, to protect each tier. The problem is I think a lot of our small brewers would think that there's more restrictions on our tier and on small brewers and on manufacturers. Right. That, frankly, um, you know, if you ask a lot of them, they would say that it probably protects maybe one of the other tiers more than actually, um, you know, helps all three tiers equally. Right. So, you know, we think that there can be updates to the system that right. reflect current consumer demand, right. that reflect our current uh, environment, mm -hmm. um, our current realities, um, which is what we do in law all the time, Yes, that do not bring down the three-tier system, that maintain the integrity of the three-tier system, but also, like we said, you know, it, it increase the, the flexibility for our folks. You know, why there should be caps, that's probably another conversation. I may not be best suited to answer that. Um, some folks think there shouldn't be any caps. We're certainly not making that argument right now. We think um, that there can be some adjustments that really do lift these restrictions that are, again, stifling to 
to investment, to growth, right, and to you know greater success in a industry that, frankly, since 2017 has grown twofold. So it more than doubled in size in mm-hmm. less than four years. But we know there's still that wall that right. we're hitting that keeps us behind, um, you know, regionally, for example. So you know, one one thing I'll mention is we were still. Uh, 48th in new brewery licenses per capita nationwide. So while we've seen some great success, we know that in many ways we're still in the back of the pack. And I don't think that's where Georgia wants to be. No. Um, You know, if we're the number one state supposedly in in which to do uh, for small businesses, Mm -hmm. which is a a thing that uh, a lot of our elected leaders, elected officials down at the Capitol like to tout this this distinction that we're, we're the number one state in which to do business. Right. Um, not sure a lot of our small brewers would agree with that. Yeah, it just seems like there's all these different barriers barriers to entry like you talked yeah. about. And it just seems like there's a lot of things that would hold a lot of people back from because as many as much as we think there's like all kinds of new breweries that th- this is a lot. And um, so that's HB HB 278. And I'll cover um, just a couple of the other caps real quick. Yeah, and they all kind of go into the same premise that I laid out with the first cap, you know, just actually some increased flexibility. This is a cap that we're asking to be removed currently mm-hmm. in HB 278. And that is, uh, there is a there is a daily per person cap on what you can walk into your local brewery and take to go. Challenge accepted. And that's <laughs> well, it's pretty low. No. So it's two hundred eighty eight ounces, which actually um, roughly, and I say roughly because this doesn't again really reflect the way most of our breweries package nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, for example, well, this this is. A case of beer worth 288 ounces, wow. which actually more equates to uh, six packs of 12 ounce beers, for example. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of our brewers don't necessarily sell more six packs of 12 ounce beers than they do, for example, four packs of of the 16, 16 ounce beers. Yeah. Right. That's so it doesn't true. even fit, again, consumer demand the needs of our small businesses from that standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. It's a square peg in a round hole, not to mention what difference would it have made for our small businesses that were struggling to survive during the yeah. pandemic if folks could have taken, for example, two cases yeah, or three cases, mm-hmm. right? Um, or as much as they could handle, just like if I were to walk into certain retailers and, and be able to take out a certain amount of alcohol. Um, so we're asking for that for that to be lifted, yeah. um, for that cap to be lifted, because this is really one of the biggest barriers to our, our small brewers being able to, again, survive and thrive. Yeah. Certainly survive during the, uh, the pandemic. Right. All right. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, removes that daily cap of 288 ounces. And then finally, and this is dealing with our, our brew pubs, which, of course, brew pubs, uh, are brewers, but have a little bit different license than a production brewery with different privileges without getting into the weeds on that. We could do another podcast on the difference between brew pubs and production breweries sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, they have specific caps on them. And we're asking to increase the annual distribution cap. So what they can actually put out with their wholesalers mm-hmm. into the market from 5,000 barrels to 9,500 barrels. And again, this is something that I think would help some of our 
brew pubs that would like to plan for increased capacity, yeah, increased production, yes, and um, increase again investment and growth. And to go sales for that too. Yeah, and by the way, this is also increased sales for the the distributors, the wholesalers. Mm -hmm. We think this one's especially no brainer, but. Nothing, unfortunately, in trying to change alcohol law and when it comes to our, our brewers is a no-brainer. Um, and then finally, with House Bill 278, this is the last part here, is um, our breweries and brew pubs cannot currently donate product, donate beer, directly to nonprofit organizations <gasps> for charitable events. Oh, th- that is true, because I have run a, I, I work with a nonprofit, and they won't ever give us beer, and it's really not, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, because they can't legally. So we're simply asking that we are able to, um, and it's clearly spelled, on the, spelled out on the law what the controls are for, or what the controls are in this provision. They donate directly to a bona fide nonprofit organization mm-hmm. uh, with a special event permit which would make them retailers, at least temporarily, because they have to get a special permit. Right. Um, But donating directly is different than buying your own beer from a wholesaler back to donate to a charity. That is... Which is what you currently have to do. Yes. That is very frustrating. Which, for most of our small brewers, that's, a, again, that's we a talk about barriers. Expense. It's a huge expense, a huge barrier. And that's not donating, donating your product directly, Mm-mm. right? No. So that's another layer that really takes away from the actual ability for them to donate and help with these events, which, like you said, mm-hmm. we've got brewers that are approached by, by charities and by nonprofits yep. that want to partner with them and want their support, and our breweries would love to do it. Yeah. But they they have to go through wholesale, and sometimes, frankly, you know, wholesalers may be interested in helping. They may not be, yeah. um, and they may want to cut them a break. But still, they have to go and actually approach a wholesaler, and work with them to essentially buy back their their own product to donate directly to a charity. That is absolutely silly, and that's a really good point to bring up. And I'm glad that that's something that's on the bill, and that's something that's going to change. And then for moving on to SB 219. So this is the emergency. This is where they are meeting tomorrow. We've spent a great deal talking and, you know, this can be confusing and it's even confusing for me. I got to remember which is which, but so the house bill 278, which we've talked about for Mm -hmm. the past several minutes has frankly languished on the house side for petty politics because we have a tier that is frankly exerting control because they have more money and power and influence on the capital. Now all those things are realities, right? I'm not naive to that Yeah. to kill any progress on this bill. So the chairman of the house regulated industries committee has, has as of yet not called a hearing the sponsor of the bill representative Heath Clark from the Macon area has asked for a hearing multiple times. We've had many of our folks call Uh, the chairman, and ask to schedule a hearing Mm -hmm. with no progress. So in comes Senate Bill 219, Mm -hmm. different bill introduced in the Senate last week and has already been scheduled a hearing for the Senate Regulated Industries Committee. Okay. Right? So put House Bill 278 in a box for a moment because Mm -hmm. right now it sits and it languishes and it's not moving because of politics down at the Capitol. In comes Senate Bill 219, introduced by Senator Frank Ginn from the Athens area. That 
has already gotten some legs and is moving. So here's the emergency. Okay. Emergency is tomorrow there is a hearing in on this bill, Senate Bill 219, in the Senate Regulated Industries Committee, which is one of the steps in the process. It has to go be heard, testimony provided, a vote taken for it to move forward in the process and actually be heard by the full Senate. Right. And then, again, briefly, it, it goes back to the other side and goes through the same process in the House and vice versa with the other House bill that we talked about. So this is important, although it is a narrower version of everything I just talked about in House Bill 278. Mm -hmm. And I can very simply tell you what it does because it's just a narrower version of that because that's frankly what our what our what our Senate sponsor, Senator Ginn, wanted to move forward with. Okay. Um, we present the things and, and we work with our partners in the Capitol to do what's palatable to them. So Senate Bill 219 only deals with the transfer issue, transfer. which you heard me talk about. Mm -hmm. And the small brewer's definition, which we know the transfer issue, although it does not um, affect all of our folks currently equally, is a hot issue, is a very you know, current, imminent issue that yeah. we know needs to be cleared up. Yes. For a lot of our members currently because they have a second location. Mm hmm and then many more because they want to open a second location. And many people, many consumers who would like to be able to consume Georgia beer um, close by in their town or in their next that's closest correct. town. So I think that's great. Yeah, so Senate Bill 219, that is being heard tomorrow. And, um, you know, there will be some opportunities for the public to get engaged over the next okay. coming days great. and weeks. The session is um, at its midway point. So it's a 40-day session. Today was day 20. So we've really got to get these things rolling. And we will need the public's help. And we're going to have a link on our website um, about the different bills and how you can act on them. Um, they're on different tracks right now. So mm -hmm. it gets a little bit confusing because they're two separate bills coming, one from the Senate, one from the House. Mm -hmm. We want to get them both moving. But right Correct. now, the more urgent one, because it actually has a hearing, Yes. thanks to the Senate Regulated Industries uh, Committee chairman, um, Tomorrow at 3.30, Tuesday, February 23rd, which you can watch online. If you just go to the General Assembly's website, click on the, uh, just search for the ho for the Senate Regulated Industries Committee, and you can actually view the hearing and some of our testimony. We're going to try and line some of our folks up to testify. That'd be great. I want to testify. Yeah. I'm not qualified, though. Maybe I am. Well, I don't we know. need, at some point, we'll need consumers, and the point is now, I say some point, the point is now for you to co co contact your local uh, representative. So again, local member of the Georgia House of Representatives that represents you. And then you have links where people can actually look up their local we'll re have representative. That's yep, great. In your local state center. I remember I, I was able to put in my zip code and then find two different yep. people that I can contact. So exactly. that's really great. Exactly. Make sure it's my local people. And currently, we'll ask you to contact your local House uh, representative to support House Bill 278. And on the flip side of that, you can contact your local state senator and ask them to support Senate Bill 219. And then, so when we when we contact them, if we actually get them on the phone, mm -hmm. which they're state senators, maybe we will get them on the phone. Um, what, so for both of these, for the state senator, uh, for the 219, 
What what is, what should we say to them when we get them on the phone? Short and sweet. It's pretty simple. And likely you won't get them on the phone because they have staff that answers the phone. So you can uh, call their offices. Mm-hmm. Very likely a staff will answer and take a message on, which is what they do all day is on different bills. They you know hear from advocates and um, all day on certain legislation. Very simply say, please ask Representative Blank or Senator Blank if you're calling a representative currently, we're going to say, please help Georgia small brewers and support House Bill 278. Now, awesome. the more urgent need right now, since we actually have a bill moving on the Senate side, which is Senate Bill 219, would be mm-hmm. to call your senator right. and say, please support Senate Bill 219 and help Georgia small brewers. That's it. That's, that's pretty all you need simple. To say. I can handle that. That's right. I don't have to use any big words. I think I just have to remember the name of the bill. That's correct. So that's where we're at. I think that's great. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about that. I know you have to get going because you're super busy. Um, so I appreciate it. Is there anything else that we should know before we uh, before we get our call our senators and drive them crazy? No, I would just leave with this and say that you know we're we're on the right track. Um, the, the craft beer industry in Georgia, for example, in 2019 had a $1.8 billion economic impact. And in total, in terms of, you know, connected jobs, um, created over 12,000 jobs. And this is in the industry as a whole, right? So any of the connected jobs. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, it really does have a, a, a huge impact, um, to our community. So, um, but you know, there are still barriers like we've talked about. We can't say that enough. And uh, we're thankful for the progress so far. But um, there's more we can do. P- our elected officials and elected leaders under the, uh, as we call Gold Dome, the state capitol here in Atlanta, <laughs> um, can make more smart policy choices to right. help our small businesses like they have in the past. And now's the time. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we really have to prioritize this. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for talking to us about it. Um, I'm going to have a blog up with all the links that you need and everything that you need to be able to find your local state senator and your ha- member of how uh, your house member house person? house member house yep, member. Senate thank member. You. <laughs> I almost said a member of parliament. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. But uh, Joseph, thank you so much for being here and giving this info. And then also Georgia Beer Day is coming up March 6th. Yeah. Get your glasses, support your local brewery, um, and I'll have links to where you can find all of that and when those will be available. So thanks, everybody. la volée oh,